Psalm 1. And what I want to do tonight, I'll just tell you what I, I'm hoping to do. Is what I'm hoping to do is to show that the blessed man of Psalm 1, who is Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord, that the delight of Christ is to be our delight. In other words, we're to be sharers in this great joy that He has set before us. So I'm, I'm going to kind of build an argument here, and I'm going to build on some things that we know, and then there will be some Scripture that I might just mention, and then there might be some Scripture that I actually turn to. So just to let you know right up what I'm seeking to do here. Psalm 1, verse 2. This is the opposite of walking in the wrong path. A blessed man doesn't walk or stand or sit in certain places. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. And so his delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord, and the evidence of that delight has an effect on his mind. In his law, because that's what he delights in, in his law, he meditates day and night. And so we see and we come to understand that what we delight in is what we end up thinking on. And of course, we mentioned the passage before that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice and we're not to walk in conforming to the world, but renew our minds. But the only way that we're going to renew our minds is if our heart's delight is in the right thing. Now we can memorize passages and our heart not delight in it. We can actually commit ourselves to knowing certain facts, but our heart not delighting in it. But what we have is, is that a man who is blessed of the Lord, that man has a delight. And it is a delight that is given by the Lord in their inner man. It is a delight in the law of the Lord, and because he's been changed in his inner man, he meditates day and night on that word or on that law. Now here's a side benefit of this. One of the benefits of this is that the blessed man will stand in the judgment day and he will abide in the congregation of the righteous. And what I'm doing here is if you look down at verse 5, it talks about the wicked. It says, the wicked aren't like what I've just described. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, 
nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And so it's understood, if we kind of flip that around, right, is that the blessed man will stand and the blessed man will abide in the assembly of the righteous. This is the way of the righteous that's mentioned in verse 6 of this psalm. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows that pathway. And he knows the people that are on that pathway. Those people will be in the assembly of the righteous and those people will stand in the day of judgment. Who are these people? They are people who are blessed of the Lord to have an heart delight. And in that heart delight, they meditate on that day and night. Now, we know that Jesus Christ is the only perfection of this. And you can turn to the book of John, and we won't take time to do that, but you could turn to John, and he would say things like this. This was amazing. I do nothing of my own initiative. Isn't that amazing? When you compare that to you and I, do we ever do things that originate with us? The answer to that is yes. But he never did anything originating with himself. He only did what the Father communicated. He would make this type of statement. He would say, I only say what the Father's taught me. I wish that was true in my life. <laughs> Where do we get in trouble? When we say and tell it like it is, right? But he didn't do that. Whether he spoke in rebuke or whether he spoke in admonition and warning or whether he spoke in ex encouragement and, and exhortation, he only spoke what the Father gave him to speak. So he is the perfection of this psalm, is he not? This is the king of whom David was promised that of his seed there would arise this messianic king that had been chosen by God. And we know that that choice was the son. God says to him, you are my son. This day I have manifested you. I have begotten you. So, Jesus Christ is the perfection of this psalm. Now I want you to turn, having, having laid that as a remembrance, I want you to turn in the book of Psalms to Psalm 40. And this is a wonderful, wonderful <clears throat> psalm, and we don't have time to go through it all. But <clears throat> I do want to start in verse 4. And we'll eventually get to the passage that I want to point out here. But just notice the similarity to Psalm 1. Psalm 40, verse 4. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust. Do you see the similarity there? Psalm 1, the blessed man doesn't do this. Here in this, the blessed man is one who makes the Lord his trust. Verse 4, and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Does that sound like Psalm 1? 
certainly does. Verse 5, Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Now note verse 6. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. So he repeats himself, doesn't he? Verse 7. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written in me. All right, now who's speaking? Christ is speaking to the Father. He's the blessed man in which he is putting his trust in Yahweh. And he just says, look, if I meditate on all your thoughts, they are too numerous to even count. And he came to this knowledge, sacrifice and offering you don't desire. All right, what does God desire? He says, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written to me. Now look at verse 8. I what? I delight. Everybody see that word? I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is where? Within my heart. Does that sound like Psalm 1? It does sound like Psalm 1, doesn't it? And he goes on and he says, the Messiah, I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. Did he not give to us all the words? And Jesus Christ himself says in John 17, concerning those men, he says, I have given them the words that you have given to me. And then in that same chapters up in the upper room, he says, and I have more to say to you. There's more words that the Father's given to me that I'm going to say to you. And the Holy Spirit's going to come to you men and you're going to write these words down by inspiration. And people are going to translate those words and we call that the New Testament. All the words that Jesus didn't give in his earthly ministry He gave through those apostolic men. So folks, do we have all the things that Christ intended to communicate? The answer to that is yes. But it all started in verse 8 of Psalm 40. Your law is within my heart. And folks, that is the reason why Christ is delighting. And of course, Psalm 1 says this, His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law, He meditates day and night. So here He comes. Messiah is coming to earth in the incarnation. 
And he says to God the Father, I delight to do your will, oh my God. It was the Father's will for him to be incarnated. It was written in the scrolls. That is the Old Testament. It was foretold. And he says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Why? Your law is where? In my heart. So what we know, folks, is this. The delight, the delight of one's heart is known by their thoughts. Everybody with, with me on that? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build on this. And the delight of a person's heart, which results in the delight of their mind, meditating day and night, results with a delight to do your will, oh my God. Everybody see how I built on that? Okay, look at verse 8 again. The law is written in his heart, right? That's his delight. It doesn't say he's thinking about it, but Psalm 1 says he's thinking about it day and night. And the result of that is the same delight that's in his heart and the same delight that's in his mind. Now I delight to do it. Everybody see that chain right there? But the common thing underneath it all is his delight. And the word delight could just as easily be translated joy. (laughs) And folks, this is very helpful for us. And this is a side note to the message. When Galatians says that joy is a fruit of the Spirit, it's this type of joy he's talking about. He's not talking about you and I being happy all the time. He's not talking about that I can have good company and kid and laugh with people. The joy of the Holy Spirit is something given by God in our heart. It is a joy in the law of God. Or we could say the words of God, right? And when that joy in the words of God is there, we think about the words of God. Not because we have to, but because it's a delight to us. It's a joy to us to do that. And when that's going on in us, then that directs our feet to a worthy walk. And that's the way it worked in the life of Christ. And Jesus alluded to this. I'll quote it for you, but I'll give you the reference. In John 4, verse 34. I've always found this verse absolutely astonishing. Let me quote it for you. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. 
and to accomplish His work. My food. (laughs) My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. Now doesn't that strike you as a strange way to say, I delight in this. I'm delighting in the law of God in my heart. I'm delighting in the meditation of it in my mind. And then I delight to do His will, O God. Like what? Like I delight in eating food. Everybody see that? The food, when you eat food, at least this is what it's supposed to do. (laughs) Probably doesn't work if you're eating ice cream, okay? But if you're eating food, what does it do? It nourishes you, and it gives you energy. And it satisfies an appetite. You'll actually say, this tastes good. Well, when it came to doing the will of God and him delighting in the will of God, that's how it tasted to him. Doing the will of God for Jesus Christ kept him going. It strengthened him. It enlivened him. Even if he was weary. You remember, he, he said this by the woman at the well. He sat down at the well because he was tired. But when it came to talking to that woman, he received the energy because he delighted to do the will of God with that woman. This is what the Word of God does. And folks, you know, one of you mentioned to me today that you have been kind of perusing through Nehemiah. Do you remember what Nehemiah said? The joy of the Lord is your strength. This is what he's talking about. He's not talking about, I woke up today, I feel kind of crabby, I need to be happy. So the Lord made me happy. And you just work real hard all day to try to find something to be happy about. No, we know the something. It's the Word of God. And we know the thing that should be delighting us. Now, you and I, Christ always woke up delighting in the Word of the Father. You and I don't always do that. And I've made mention to you before, my greatest chore on Sunday morning is to get my heart delighting in what I'm going to preach on. And the Lord's always been faithful to do that. Now, it's been a struggle sometimes. But with our Lord, He's the perfect Psalm 1 man, right? And He's doing this. It was His food. It was His delight. He was, it was His joy. And we won't turn to it for lack of time, but Hebrews 10.10 states, that Jesus Christ delighting to do the Father's will, now I'm going to quote the verse, we, because He delighted to do the Father's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 
Did he delight to do the Father's will? Because he was meditating on it day and night. Because his delight was in his heart. Even if it took him to a cross. And him delighting in that will. You remember what Hebrews 12.2 says. For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Because he's looking beyond that. Despising the shame. Sat down at the right hand of God. And by him doing that, he sanctified his people through the offering of his body. And we all love this phrase, right? Once for all. What a gift this Psalm 1 man is. And he is blessed, is he not? (laughs) But folks, he was blessed that from the Incarnation, because he's the Word made flesh. The Word was in his heart. He delighted in it. As a man, he meditated on it. And as a man, that Word in his heart and the Word in his mind, he delighted to do it. And by Him doing it, He saved people from their sins once for all. Now folks, we as believers are members of His body. We are part of His flesh and blood. And 2 Peter says, Because of that, we have been made partakers. Now listen to the wording. Of the divine nature. By the precious and magnificent promises. Promises that the prophets made careful searching and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the Scripture was indicating the Messiah was going to come. Is that right? So we know the precious promises and magnificent promises had to do with the coming of the Messiah. We just read that in Psalm 40, right? And we're just reading it in Psalm 1. Well, folks, we have been made partakers of that same divine nature. A divine nature that gives delight in our inner man in the Word of God. Isn't that the way His divine nature worked? And by that same sharing of His divine nature, we delight in our minds in the Word of God. And by that same divine nature, those two things occurring, we delight to do the will of God. 
So folks, sometimes when we're admonishing people to obey and we're watching them and they're really struggling with this, you can know for sure there is some immaturity or some resistance in their heart to delight in the Word of God. And their mind is not thinking on it. They're coming up with excuses and justifications and all this kind of stuff, right? Right. And so therefore, they find it hard to delight in the will of God. Because folks, the will of God is hard sometimes. But we have been made partakers of this same divine nature. Which means that though Psalm 1 is Christ, it is also true for His people. Now, we know that we all have different maturities in this. And that doesn't mean that we're not a Psalm 1 type of person if we're not perfect like Christ. But there has to be something in the heart. And folks, when I preach, that's what I'm really appealing to. I'm appealing to the delight that should be in your heart. So that you walk away meditating on what you've heard. So that it changes your walk. And brethren, the new covenant, you know, there's the Mosaic covenant and then there's the new covenant. The new covenant promised that the people of Christ would be gifted in this way. Thus says the Lord, I will put their laws my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. (laughs) Do you hear what he's saying there? I'm going to put my law in their heart and I'm going to put my law in their minds. And of course, we understand from Psalm 1 and we understand from Christ Himself that along with putting that law in our hearts and putting that law in our minds, He puts the gift of joy to delight in that. So that like John wrote in 1 John, His commandments are not burdensome. Now we may struggle to do it, but we do still delight in it. Paul would say this in Romans 7. I delight in the law in my mind, but there's something else out there that's fighting against that. But he said, I do delight in the law of God. Well, how could he do that? Because God's done a work in his life. He's been born from above. Yeah. And folks, I just want to challenge you and admonish you to know the proper order. To start with your inner man. 
Isn't this where Paul started in Ephesians? Let's review there. He said, I want these truths enlightened to you with the eyes of your understanding. Did Paul not pray in Ephesians 3, I am praying that you would be strengthened in your inner man so that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith so that you would know the length and the height and the depth of this great revealed mystery and that you would see in it the love of God. (laughs) And the result of it would be you would be filled up with all the fullness of God. And being filled up with all the fullness of God, then he could say this, now walk a worthy walk. Yeah. Everybody see the order there? Yeah. And folks, I really, I really would long to see, I think all of us would say, that we all need more of this in our lives. But I would long to see this come back to our churches today. Me too. where we wouldn't find our delights in so many lesser things. Even good things. Now it's not wrong. God's given us richly all things to enjoy. But He never gave us these things to enjoy for them to become our ultimate delight. That's right. And so what we have here is this. And I was going to put it up on a board and I found out my board was gone. And then I was going to go get the board and I found out it's nailed to the wall. So I can't, I, can't, I can't put the board up here. Okay, But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a list for you. Okay, So if you're a note taker, here's a list. Okay, On one side, one column, I got Christ. And on the second column, I have believers. Okay, So I have two columns. Head of the column, Christ, believers. And under Christ, I wrote this sequence. Delight or joy in the law of God. Did he do that? He did do that. Secondly, he meditated on it day and night. So he delighted in the law of God. Sequence, he meditated day and night. Third, he delighted and took joy to do his will. And then fourthly, I wrote here, this is the working of the divine nature. So the Son of God took on human flesh and as a man, He took joy in the law of God. He took joy or delight in meditating day and night. He took joy or delight to do His will. And this is the divine nature working in the man, Christ Jesus. Can we agree with that? Can we all see that? Okay. Now let's talk about believers. Believers, number one, are born of the divine nature. We're regenerated. 
Secondly, therefore, we delight or take joy in His Word. And I'm thinking New Testament here. So therefore, we delight and take joy in meditating. What is that from a New Testament perspective? Renewing our minds day and night. And fourthly, we take delight or joy to do His eternal purpose. That's the will of God for us. His revealed mystery, His eternal purpose that was hid from the foundation of the world but is now revealed. So you'll see what I did. I went from Christ and that divine nature and showed that operation. I go to believers and we're born of that divine nature. And now you see the same process that we're to be growing in. And I'm going to conclude with this verse, if you want to turn to it. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 4. You're very familiar with this. This is called the Shema of Israel. The word Shema means, or <clears throat> means to hear. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Everybody see that? That verse, Deuteronomy 6, 5, is quoted three times in our New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But did you notice the order? You shall love the Lord your God with all your... That's number one. What's number two? So with all your soul. And one of the Gospel writers puts the word as the word mind Mm -hmm. to this. And what's the third? Then all your might. That's doing the will of God. So folks, to love God with all our heart, all of our soul, all of our, when I'm right, strength, when I'm right, mind. Means to love Him in that order. To delight in your heart in my words, in, my, in me. Then to delight in your soul and your mind. And then you are to love Him with all your strength. That's actually doing the will of God. And folks, that's why God says so many times in the Bible, do this from your heart. 
Don't just have my words on your lips, but your heart be far away from me. Pharisees, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside, your heart is wicked. And we love to quote this verse when it comes to external things, but God does look at the heart. (laughs) He looks at the heart. And I'm so glad He does. So folks, the delight of Christ, I'm going back to my title now, the delight of Christ is to be my delight. (laughs) There's this exact parallel there. And I trust that Not merely that this has been a challenge to us, but that it has brought you joy to think and say to yourself, you know what, as imperfect as I am, that's going on in me. But I'm more delighted that He did it for me, (laughs) that He's the Psalm 1 man, and I'm in Him. And now this same thing's working inside of me. And may we grow up in this. You'll never find a believer who is truly mature that is not a word-saturated believer. (laughs) Maturity and word saturation go together. The more mature you are, the more word is living in you. You're thinking on and you're seeking with all your heart to do. All undergirded with this fruit of the Spirit called joy. Delight in Him. Let's pray.